Good morning, everyone. Glad to be here. Um, I gave a, a talk last um, last year in the joint um, ASSCT meeting where I talked about um, the effect that row spacing has on uh, plant available water. And I, today I'd like to kind of give a, um, a kind of update of, of where we've gone from um, from here. And but first I'll give a a little bit of a recap of, of the results from, from that before I go on to some new results. So one of the things we did is we, um, this is some work that um, Dr. Paul White started in, uh, in 2017, he did from 2017 to, um, to 2020 where um, looked at what was the effect of row spacing, so um, between you know 2.4 meter uh, rows and 1.8 meter rows, which is basically um, uh, eight foot and six foot row spacing. And so that's measuring the total water um, content in the in the top 45 centimeters. And one of the things we found this graph just shows the. Let me put this up. Ooh, where is it? Sorry. All right. So right here, just this is just showing the the amount of available water that's in the top 45 centimeters. Uh, and we, one thing we found that yeah, the, the eight-foot rows um, had more water available than the six-feet rows, but yield wasn't different. And so we kind of wonder, well, what was the, um, you know, what was was there any benefit to having more water? Um, and so that's what got me thinking. And so I was looking, well, wait a minute, is there, um, you know, basically from 2017 to 2020, it looked like there was high water availability um, for the for that entire um, nearly four years which is kind of surprising. There's not too many um, places in the country that can say they had high water availability in their field always um, throughout, you know, basically never having a period, even during dry periods where water wasn't available. Um, and so I wanted to see what the, what the effect that that would have on um, look at uh, plant growth. And so I want to look at it just like a, a top level um, approach just to look at um, uh, um, total photosynthesis over the field, and we can measure that using um, eddy, eddy covariance. This is also from Dr. Paul White's um, uh, towers, um, where we can look, use eddy covariance to measure the gross um, primary productivity, um, which is here on the the, um, which is basically the total um, photosynthesis that's taking place in the in the in sugarcane field, and then on the well, x-axis is um, the evapotranspiration, so all the water that's being lost. So we can look at that relationship between water loss versus how much um, growth is taking place, and this is the colors of the dots represent different years, and you can see these lines where the slope of these lines is the um, we call water use efficiency. So that's the the intrinsic um, relationship between um, uh, photosynthesis and and water um, loss. And there wasn't too much, there's a little bit of difference in 2019, but for the most part, they're relatively consistent across years, which means that even though precipitation changes um, across years, uh, the growth was relatively similar, um, which I was, I was pretty surprised by. Uh, so I compared uh, the amount of um, GPP, which, or you know, photosynthesis, and compared that to the available water, and I found no relationship. Uh, meaning that GPP is is not dependent on um, plant available water. Uh, like I say, there's even the there's not too many places that can can say that. That um, and that was kind of interesting. I come from a background of um, where we look at you know where water limitations a problem. Where you look at um, uh, and I was kind of surprised. Even the Upper Midwest where we, they don't irrigate either, they're still water limited. And they, if they did irrigate, they would see an increase in um, in yield. Um, so. 
I started thinking about that from the perspective of water, or is, that, is, is there something we can take advantage of? Um, is water something we can um, actually um, help us to um, increase yield? And the reason why I'm thinking about that is, is based on this relationship. Um, here on the x-axis, stomatal conductance, and you can think of stomatal conductance as a, is flow of water out of the plant, so that's water um, loss. On the y-axis here is, um, is um, the photosynthetic rate. And you can see there's, a really, um, there's actually a strong relationship uh, between water loss from the plant and, um, and how much that plant's photosynthesizing. Actually, uh, um, that relationship, actually water loss is the best predictor of, of growth that we have. Um, there's no relationship um, between any nutrient and growth um, that's as strong as um, water loss. And so I thought, well, um, so basically meaning you increase the amount of water going through the plant, you're going to increase growth. Those relation, that relationship you cannot break. Um, and so I started thinking, well, is there ways that we can do that to actually be able to take advantage of, of more water, of, of, the, of the high water abundance that we have here? And one way is um, actually breeding for um, or selecting for um, um, insensitive stomates. Stomates, of course, are the pores in the leaf, and they open up. And the reason why we can do this is, as you can see this cross-section here of a leaf, where those stomates open up to, um, to um, take in uh, CO2 that's assimilated in photosynthesis. Uh, and at the same time, as a consequence of those um, stomates being open, they lose water. Well, if, if, if the stomates are insensitive, meaning that they, they are slow to, um, to close, they remain uh, mostly open, um, we're going to lose more water, of course, um, from the plant, but, as, but they're also increased the amount of CO2 being taken up. Uh, which means more photosynthesis, and especially if that's coupled with um, greater um, photosynthetic capacity, which is the ability to do photosynthesis. We might be able to actually um, um, see increases in um, in photosynthesis and and growth. So to but one of the questions, of course, is is there actually variability in these traits um, in sugarcane? So I and that's what I've been. One of the things I've been doing this year is, is, um, is we did a survey of, um, of different uh, sugarcane varieties to see if, um, if there is actually variability in, um, in the amount of transpiration and photosynthesis taking, um, taking place. And so we um, surveyed 60 different varieties um, doing measured uh, photosynthesis or what we call gas exchange, which is the, um, you know, this movement of, of of water out of the plant and CO2 into the plant uh, from about 5 to 15 plants per variety. See how variable the trade is um, and also see how much variation is between varieties. And then we also measure different canopy architecture traits. See, because one of the things that's really important when you look at physiological traits is, is, um, is how um, this trait changes across scales. Uh, you know, we look at it, from, you know, we can look at it from the subleaf level, so the molecular level, and um, then compare that to the leaf level then the whole canopy, and then a whole field. And it's really important to look at these across fields, across um, these different scales, these traits. And so we also looked at different canopy architecture to see how that would um, affect this trait. Um, a lot of this we're still doing, but um, we have leaf area, and so I'll show you what we found with that. And then also different stock traits. Uh, so, so first, we want to know if there's um, how much variation do we find, and this is a this this graph um, um, figure just shows right here along the x-axis. This is just all the different um, varieties, and they're just rank order from the smallest to the largest. And we see in photosynthetic um, rate, there's actually is quite a substantial uh, amount of variation among um, these varieties, and these aren't these are actually highly selected varieties already. They're, they're already um, quite um, far advanced in the breeding program, most of the varieties, and so it's. 
Um, I was pretty surprised that there was um, quite as much, um, there was as much variation as there was. And then also with stomatal conductance, um, we saw the same thing where there's um, quite a bit of variation um, in um, small conductance. Uh, so then I plotted those, one against um, um, photosynthetic rate on the y-axis and stomatal conductance on the x-axis. And you compare these two traits um, so you can see that relationship between um, uh, uh, photosynthesis and water loss. And these, these lines, these are um, the, this uh, vertical uh, um, line represents the mean stomatal conductance and the uh, horizontal line represents the mean uh, photosynthetic rate. And so you can see kind of where um, the different, uh, different varieties fall um, relative to each other as far as relative to the mean. And a couple things that I, that I found that were um, pretty interesting is one is that the commercial varieties, and there was about 10 commercial, um, commercially released varieties um, in here, most of them are kind of hovering around the mean. Um, they weren't um, necessarily, I, I was kind of surprised by that. I was expecting to be maybe a little higher in the um, photosynthesis, um, photosynthesis, but they weren't. They were all about the mean, um, except for A85. It was, um, it had um, pretty high photosynthetic rates, um, but average um, uh, stomach conductance, which typically when you have a high photosynthetic rate, but yet it's not opening its, um, its stomates more, um, that's a, an example of, um, of higher photosynthetic capacity. It means that the machinery within the plant is actually um, working, um, working better. And so we're actually looking into, further into A85 to see if that is actually if, if the case. Why is it have a higher photosynthetic capacity? If that's enzyme activity or what, you know, what's going on there. Um, another thing that was interesting is this one right here. And, we're still looking at this one, and this was multiple leaves, so this is a very consistent value. That's not a, um, just a one strange plant. Um, but this is, is L17428, um, and it's just screaming, both in photosynth uh, photosynthetic rate and also in stomatal conductance. And so we're looking further into that. Why, you know, um, why does it have high values? Is, it, um, is this, are we looking at that one where we have higher photosynthetic rate uh, or higher photosynthetic capacity and also higher substrate, um, substrate availability? It's opening up the stomates taking up more CO2 and taking advantage of that. And so that's one that's interesting because that's something that um, particularly, you know, um, um, I think we would um, actually want to trait that um, what we would like to see. Um, now, when we compare that then um, on, um, to canopy traits, um, one thing I just want to show here, some of the different um, canopies, is, you know, you work with, I'm sure can, one thing you notice is there's, they're, you know, the canopies don't look the same. You know, look at the leaves, they're not the same between varieties. And, you know, some of them are kind of small canopy, very um, erect leaves. And you have some, like, for instance, on the other side here, very large canopies, a lot of leaves, um, you know, high um, leaf area. Uh, and so, um, you know, that could, you know, potentially that could really change how much photosynthesis is taking place. You know, you have a large canopy, um, even if you had um, relatively low photosynthetic rates, if you look over the entire plant, it could actually be quite high on a, on a plant level. Um, so now when we, and so what we found is that, yeah, indeed we found that there was that interaction. So this on the, right here, this graph right here in the, um, on the right is, is at the canopy level, photosynthetic rates and, and transpiration rates. And there's a couple things I want to point out. One is you see the relationship really tightened up. And that's um, typical that, that um, these relationships, once, once you bring it to the whole plant level, um, you know, you're, there's interactions with um, leaf um, and whole plant hydraulics that, um, that um, really limit how much, um, how that relationship plays out. 
Um, but I'd just like to point out a couple things here that was interesting. You see this um, one of the um, varieties in the 20 series here, this HLCP 20541. It was down here, it was a little bit above average um, photosynthetic rate. Um, but once you take it into account, um, the leaf canopy structure, you can see that it's now actually has relatively high, you know, so the potential uh, photosynthetic rate is really high. Um, um, another thing I'd point out, of course, is that 428 is still way at the top. So we're still, yeah, we're definitely going to be looking at that one more. Um, but another thing that was interesting, too, and I still a little puzzled by this, I, I'm kind of surprised, is that the, a lot of the commercial varieties were here down at the bottom. They had low um, canopy photosynthetic rates and also low transpiration rates. And, and I'm, I'm, yes, yeah, so we're going to have to look at why is that? Why is that that there's this, um, that there seem to be congregating there at the, um, um, at the, at the low end of this um, relationship? Um, so yeah, we'll have to do more, of course, with trying to figure that out, why that is. Um, but also, I'd like to, um, one thing is we're, um, some of the steps we're still working on right now, but I'd like to show is, you know, well, what is, what is the effect that um, leaf, the canopy has on different stock traits? And I was curious, is there any relationship? And um, we found that there, um, there was, and it was actually, um, you know, basically, if you look at cane weight versus um, on the y-axis and the x-axis um, canopy leaf area, that there's a, a pretty good relationship, and it's a R squared of 0.51. Um, for um, basically um, um, bigger cane, heavier cane has um, more leaves. Um, and so now we're looking at, okay, that we can look at that way, but now we need to look at, okay, how does that translate out to a field level? Because if you have, for instance, varieties that have um, maybe, um, maybe they're not really big cane, but they have high population, um, therefore, each um, uh, photosynthesis on the um, per plant level, per you know stock level, might might be very high, but because there's such a high population, it can um, you look at photosynthesis over the entire um, field, it might actually be um, very high. Um, and so now we're and that's what we're doing. We um, we're going to be doing uh, later is once we get that data from James, um, Todd, being to to you know the the leaf at the look at his um, population counts and stuff. We can start to look at and see how this then we can scale up to the um, um, photosynthesis up to the um, the to the plot level and see how um, these this relationship plays out at the at the plot level at, at the field level. And also we start looking at okay now if you have different erectness of leaves how that affects um, um, how that affects. Uh, how much photosynthesis takes place and, um, and how much water is lost. And so, um, but we're, we're definitely encouraged by um, the relationship, we've, um, what we've been able to find, that there's quite a bit of variation to, um, to work with. Uh, and I'd just like to, in, in conclusion, just come to the, some of the um, um, conclusions is one that, that you know, we, the water availability does not control um, 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 cane growth. And, we're going to work on this more to see how some of the early um, season, like last year, we had it was pretty dry early on, um, and I did some watering a couple plots just to see if I'd get a response. And I certainly did get a response in growth, and so we're going to be looking at some of that to see if um, if some of these um, how that affects, especially the early season um, water, how that affects um, growth. But it doesn't look like it's a big um, a big player as I. Um, which is surprising, like I say, it's, this is one of the few places in the United States that can, um, that that's actually the case. 
Uh, also, I'm, I'm encouraged we found um, you know substantial variation in gas exchange and canopy um, traits, and so that's something we can work with. You know, the idea is, is if we can um, we can find more of traits that are important for um, uh, for sugarcane um, that actually influence sugarcane yield. Um, you know, we can start to uh, um, we can actually start selecting for those. So that can be part of the um, of the selection process of, of sugarcane. So. Um, that's the goal, and the, the hope is we can uh, that we can use these. Actually, look at traits that that um, that would influence um, on later varieties, and that's the case that we're finding these traits at the leaf level and the subleaf level is actually affecting. Um, at, and we've seen the effect of them on the cane level, and so um, and we'll continue this work and see if we, um, at the plot level as well. But um, just in. Any, I'd like to acknowledge thanks for um, Dr. James Todd for um, um, providing the varieties for this analysis and my lab tech that's um, been working for the last six months trying to get all this stuff um, processed and right now on his computer still processing. Um, but I'd like to say thank you for everyone if there's any questions. What age? Um, this was, I took the measurements in July, so it was in the peak of growth in July and, and into August. So these are, yeah, so these are, uh, yeah, peak grand growth. Yes? Um, uh, it's a Lycor 6800. The one we use, um, yeah. Excuse me. What temperature was measuring at? Um, um, this was. I mean, we we're doing this for the gas change measurements. I, um, I believe I was measuring at. Um, I think we're doing. Oh, if it was, I think 31 degrees Celsius is the temperature we were at. 30 or 31. And yes, it does make a difference. So that's another thing put into is um, it, it can change. It's definitely told us in their rates, temperature dependent. Huh? Oh yes, yeah. So um, it will. It does affect. Um, it'll affect photosynthesis because that affects um, enzyme activity, and it affects the model conductance um, because definitely because it'll affect um, the temperature will affect um, the vapor pressure deficit. So it'll affect how much. Not as much still model conductance. Um, um, that's why we use it a lot when it comes to um, looking at as a as a as a measure for um, it affects more transpiration rate, not as much stomach conductance, and that's why we use it actually as a um, as a potential for selecting. Um, and we use stomach conductance as less affected by environmental conditions. Not that it's completely unaffected, but it's a much less than in transpiration rate. Yes. So that is, um, so you're asked with um, uh, measurement time, how, how that, that right now is something we're working on, is, is it is a slow process. Um, we were making measurements because you can't have it out in the rain and stuff, uh, we're actually making measurements in the lab, uh, the, and we're taking measurements that with, um, at physiological steady state, 
and it's a slower process. They're much more consistent. So that becomes, you get values that are, um, that are, I mean, you can pretty much, when you get that value, you can pretty much guarantee the next um, um, plant of that variety will be at the same value. However, it is a slow process, and we're working on that. So um, some plants, because what happens is you put the plant in there, in the, in the chamber, the leaf, and it takes time to wake up. It takes time to get back to get, get to that um, steady state. And for some varieties, it could be you know, an hour and a half of waiting. So um, that is an issue to work on, is how can we speed this up? So if we're going to use this for lots of varieties, how can we speed up that process? Yeah. Yeah, in the field it's not as bad. If you're in conditions where you can, they're in, you don't have to change anything, it's a lot quicker. Um, it'll be like 20 or 30 minutes, but still, yeah, we need to get that faster. Yeah.